Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. I felt very challenged in late March about, you know, well, okay, how am I going to thrive? And what is that going to look like now that things are completely upside down? Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 72. In this episode, Alyssa Williams and I catch up on our planning adventures with a focus on how our digital tools ensure that no idea gets left behind. Hey, Alyssa, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for having me again. As many of you know, Alyssa is a member, a friend of mine, and a now third-time guest on the Scrapbook Your Way podcast. Alyssa, can you share just a tiny bit of a refresher about who you are and where you live? Sure. I live um, with my husband and my two girls in central Illinois. I'm a librarian for a small public library. I'm the library director uh, here in central Illinois. So our life, um, well, prior to shelter in place was pretty busy. My girls are eight and 10 and getting more involved in activities. And we have one cat. And um, obviously, I like reading in my spare time. Yeah. And you're also doing like a personal load right now. You're doing a layout a day as kind of a personal challenge, not, you know, as part of the community on your own. What, what prompted you to do that? Well, I am participating in Stacey Julian's 20 in 20 projects class. And uh, I wanted to try and get some projects done this month. I had a particular project. My cousin is getting married at the end of the month and she had asked me to create a scrapbook slash guest book. And so I needed to get that in the mail. So I was trying to get it finished. And I thought, well, I'll just do a page a day. And maybe I'll just do a page a day all month. And here we are. I've I've kept up with it. I was excited I'd made it halfway through the month. So I brought bought myself some more scrapbooking goodies uh, yesterday as a reward. And I have another reward plan for the end of the month. But it's been really interesting. Uh, enjoyable to get back into my stash. Summer is usually a prolific time for me anyway with scrapbooking. And of course, we don't have a lot of evening plans right now. So I've been uh, able to keep this up and experiment. And then I'm also trying to move some of those projects forward that I had outlined for my 20 projects in 2020 class. I love how you're mixing a, a couple different motivations there, like to work through your stash and get excited again, to actually get some things done. I mean, that when all of that comes together is what sort of feeds productivity and I think why you've been able to be successful this month. So that's awesome. Yeah, there have been a few days where I thought I wasn't going to get a page done and I 
I, I did. I got the inspiration. And it's it's interesting. I participated in a load before where you've had prompts and challenges. And this is, I think, working for me because I can just kind of go in whatever direction I feel like. Uh, so one night I didn't feel have a ton of energy to get out my paper stuff. So I went through and I did the annual uh, chat book that I do for my daughter at the end of the school year. And that's a project and that's scrapbooking. And so it's really nice to have a variety of things to pull from to match my energy and interest and time available. Do you think this means you're becoming more of an upholder? Ooh. Or is it the fact that you tell me every night that you're going to make your page? Is that part of your accountability? I think that has something to do with it. I mean, you're not going to, you know, fire me if I don't make it. (laughs) I think the accountability helps. And I like streaks. Uh, I, I recognize that through this particular time and I've always liked streaks. So, and it's a set 30 day challenge. So I think having a reward and a treat kind of helps like a midway treat. And then I have a plan for at the end of the month, some stuff. Plus I'm really motivated now to kind of use up some of these supplies I had. I found paper that I was, I had written a note when I reorganized back in last summer and, you know, three full pages use up this kit. And so I pulled that out and then the next two nights I was able to find pictures in my photo stash to match these layouts. It was a little girl paper, baby paper kind of. So I found photos of my daughter from when they were much younger and made some pages I really like. And so it's exciting to both use up the supplies and also kind of take a different approach to what my typical than what my typical scrapbooking looks like. So, you know, I don't typically start with product. I typically start with a story. So it's been interesting to think about scrapbooking from that regard, too. Oh, how fun. I love this experience for you. So what else is exciting you? I'm sure as you've dug through your stash and started playing with things, you're like, ooh, I'm really into X, Y, or Z right now. Well, there are two things that are exciting me right now. One is um, Ellie's Studio, the From Sketch to Finish class that they released. So I had had an earlier version. I had volume three and I have the stamp that goes with it and the sketchbook. And I'd done some layouts based on their, their examples, but I just purchased as part of my reward for making it halfway through my load volume five. And I'm excited for that to come, but I love stamps and I love sketches. So this is right up my alley and I'm very excited to dive in and it gives me kind of some guide rails for when I don't know how to start. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this sketch and then I'm going to do this next one. I've also used your challenge wizard on nights when I can't get started to give myself a challenge of a way to create a page too. Um, so the other thing that's exciting me too is uh, Victoria Marie scrapbook designs, Victoria Calvin. Um, I found her earlier this year and took a class from her and I just love her style. It matches my own. She uses a lot of the same products I like to use. So <clears throat> she's taught me, I've become more confident in my layering ability through watching her stuff. So uh, I'm really excited about her community and she's doing these Facebook lives and her community every Friday that I've uh, enjoyed watching too. I love seeing how individual scrapbookers like yourself and so many others in our membership, they find the the other scrapbookers that who they whose style they like, whose products they love to use. And that gives you like that that place of focus. Like I can emulate this and get ideas from this and, and continue to refine your own style, but have this like, you know, zone of comfort. And there's so many different, you know, styles and approaches to scrapbooking out there. There's obviously someone for everyone. And I love that you found that. Yeah, I 
was listening to another podcast and they were talking about just find one expert. Like don't try to follow everybody. And I think for years I've kind of not struggled seems like too big of a word for it, but I've ha- I've been my my scrapbooking design is not my forte. So I've always liked to use sketches, but to find someone who I really identified with and can follow and learn from is really exciting me right now. And it also like you said, I can I can get rid of all the excess and just focus on okay, this is this is my person. This is my product line that I'm going to use and just move forward. It eliminates a lot of decisions and it helps me stay focused on actually creating pages as opposed to, hmm, should I buy this kit? Should I buy this paper? What should I buy? I love that so much. So for me, it's been the Coco Daisy Daisy Weeks sticker kit. Now, if we had talked about this like three months ago, six months ago, I'd be like, a planner sticker kit? No way. Um, I've had a kind of a tumultuous relationship with stickers. I had a very brief, like a torrid affair with the happy, the happy memory planner from um, me and my big ideas. And I bought all these stickers and I'm like, I don't like this at all. Like it wasn't working for me. It's not how I wanted to do my memory keeping. Uh, and I really felt averse I guess to sticker supported actual planning because it didn't feel productive but when I saw this particular kit and how it would connect with the Hobonichi Weeks I was like you know I actually think I might like this because it's not the stickers are never getting in the way of me making long lists and crossing them off it's never uh, a substitute or a surrogate and I don't want to diminish anyone who loves kind of documenting their days as they're planning them kind of this weird like in tandem back and forth it's a creative outlet as well as you know documenting what you did that day but that's not how I use my planner I use my planner for these are the things I have to get done, but I want that to be in a, you know, an attractive space. So I've been diving into this. I just shared for the first time on social media this past week that I've been doing this because it feels like a little bit of a dirty confession, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I'm having fun. I'm planning to do some videos and, and keep sharing and just, you know, see how it goes. This is a weird time in my life. Uh, It all started because my Panda planner felt you know, it's eight and a half by 11. It felt so giant on my table. And it was this big, you know, week on two pages spread with, you know, columns for every day. And I'm like, my days don't have stuff anymore. I don't have very many meetings. I don't, I'm not going anywhere. Like there just wasn't enough to fill up those pages anymore. And so this, the size being smaller and a little bit of a more of a creative treat just feels like the right thing for right now. I've really enjoyed watching you play with it and get it set up and how much fun you're having with it. It's been, it's been fun to watch. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's a little bit of a different product than I've seen. And I think, I don't know if I would have even been aware of it if I'd not had uh, Christine on the podcast. Uh, She was on episode 69, but I'd recorded it at the very, you know, it was like, I think it was March 1st we recorded. And I even remember looking then, I was like, oh, what is this thing? What is this thing that you're talking about? And I was just so impressed by the number of options that they give for taking their beautiful products and designs and using them in whatever planning format works for you. They're, you know, 
more flexible than a lot of different companies are in terms of here, we're going to give you the tools. You get to play with whatever size and format you want to do. So I think that's something that I really appreciate. All right. Yeah, I've looked at those too, and I haven't placed an order yet, but (laughs) I just might. (laughs) So shifting gears here, is there a story that you know is on your bucket list that you want to tell? Yes. So uh, I recently realized that the house that we live in is actually the longest place I've ever lived somewhere. Uh, We moved around a lot when I was a child. And uh, we have lived in this house now for 16 years. My husband and I had celebrated our 15 wedding wedding anniversary in April. And I was like, then I was like, wait a minute, that means we've lived in this house 16 years. Like, we did not think we would live in this house 16 years. And so I want to make a layout about how this might have not been what we thought would be our forever home, but it now is. That's so cool. I love that. I've had that realization. There was a point in my relationship with Steve and I was like, wow, this is the longest relationship I've ever been in. That's such a weird like thing to think about. So I love those kind of stories. So mine is, and this is actually the next layout I'm planning to do for the Bucket List Project, and it's about the flashbulb moments in my life. And that phrase came from last month's book club selection, The Art of Making Memories. And it's about those times that you remember where you were when, like... 9-11, the Challenger explosion, the OJ chase, you know, whether oh. they were, most of them were serious types of things, but where were you when? And I want to do a timeline layout to highlight, you know, this is the first 40 years of my life. And I, these are the things that stood out for me. What a fun idea. I, I'm going to have to scrap lift that. I like it. Well, I think I'm going to start with the template that's in the before your story class um, Mm -hmm. because there's a timeline there and I'm going to start with that as the basis and then like build from there and probably tweak it a bit Um, but I'm just I'm so excited to do this and to really sit down and think about what are those moments that stand out for me Um, growing up in Texas when uh, Selena was was tragically killed. That was a, some moment that stood out for me. I'm not sure it did for people outside of Texas. Maybe some. Um, not me. <laughs> I know. So it's just, there's certain things, depending on where you lived, what was the big thing? I know there were, I've lived in places before where some, people always talk about like the big fire. Um, Melanie Ritchie, one of our, our team members mentioned there was this, this big fire in her town and it was just this big event. And I'm sure that was would be on her list. So, um, yeah, I think this is going to be a fun idea and I can't wait to see how it influences others to do the same type of page as well. I'm really looking well, forward to it. And I think the idea of a timeline is not one that we use a lot when we're making scrapbook pages. I've done a timeline page with my jobs. So I had my business cards from mm-hmm. when I got out of college and I've done, I did a timeline layout with those of my different jobs. And I, I love that layout. So I think that's a really great structure for people to think about their memories in. Yes, for sure. Um, Yeah, I think it's going to be so fun. And there's obviously different ways you can. It doesn't have to be just about this theme. You can take that structure and apply it to so many other things. All right. So the reason that we're having this podcast episode today is kind of the the next step to our last episode. Episode 52, you were on and it was called Planning in Real Life. And it was all about all the planners that we had tried over the years and a lot of our failures in trying to find, you know, quote unquote, planner peace. 
And, you know, sometimes planner peace is ephemeral, depending on what's going on in our lives. But I wanted to talk about the flip side of that, the the electronic or digital world of planning. Because as we go forward in this world and things are more and more online and need to be more and more connected, it it seems like we can't just exist with one or the other. We kind of have to have both. Yes. And I think that's more true for me now in this time than ever before, which I know we'll discuss. So maybe just so we can kind of recap, was there anything that surprised you in that previous conversation when we were thinking about all the planners that you tried? I don't think there was anything that surprised me. I mean, I guess it was, I'm pretty consistent in what I like. So if anything, it would just made me realize I haven't tried a lot of different I know what I like. And so I, even though I might change brands or maybe a, a layout option, I like a week and a month. I like eight and a half by 11. And so I, you know, that's what I need to purchase. Well, and even just put that observation with yourself, because as something, the newfangled next thing that everybody's talking about comes out, you can reduce your FOMO by saying, well, that doesn't have like these three criteria that are really important to me. Right. Because I mean, things are always sexy and attractive, like, oh, that's so cool. Like, and I love how they did that, but it doesn't mean it's going to really work for you. I mean, the one exception to that is is the Get to Work book. That's not in by 11, but I have used that successfully. And do you think it, what do you think? I mean, it's still quite large. It's what, seven by nine ish? Yes. And I think the format appeals to me because it is still a week and a month. And I don't, I only use that. I can't use that for work. It's too small for work. It worked, it worked very well for me in my personal planning that I talked about in that episode. Okay. So maybe we need to dive in. Let's just do kind of a, let's bring things up to date. What physical planners are you using right now and for what purpose? So I am still using my blue sky planner that I raved about in the episode for work. I took a break from it um, in May, but uh, I, I started using it in June because I, I do really like the structure and I needed that for my work tasks. So on my work from home desk, I have my blue sky planner. And then shockingly, I, am, I, I, I guess I broke up with get to workbook. I don't know. Um, kind of like you were saying about your panda planner earlier, I realized you know, when we went into shelter in place, I, obviously I didn't have plans anymore and I did not need that weekly planning mode that I was in for so long. Uh, so I tried using my blue sky plan in April. I tried using my blue sky planner for everything, um, for both my personal and my work life. I didn't, I wasn't very satisfied with that. And so then at the end of April, I was also very depressed by all the events that I had to keep crossing off because I had a lot of travel plans, a lot of conference plans that of course have now been canceled. So in April, I, I bought a new planner. Uh, I bought an Erin Condren uh, deluxe monthly planner. And I've been using that primarily for my personal lists. It does not have the weeks so it has the month overview, it has that really nice dashboard, and then it's just got lined pages in between the months. And I really like that for right now because, you know, I don't have a ton of day specific things. And as we'll talk about later, I've really been leaning hard on my electronic solutions, my digital solutions. So 
I've found some planner piece with that. And then what I do now is I put my tending list on a page at, at the beginning of the month. So I don't have like five notebooks anymore. I have, I have two. That's good. That sounds more simple and streamlined, which is kind of the way life is right now. <laughs> Very much so. Well, I would say that that Erin Condren Deluxe Monthly is one that worked really well for me in the past, up until the point in which I took my uh, calendar digital. And then it just didn't make sense anymore because basically it was a spiral notebook after that. Um, but I lo- but when I was when I was doing all my calendaring on paper, that was a really good solution for me because I like lots of space for lists. And then I would say like my big lesson learned was actually more from ta- just talking to you both in the podcast and offline about it is that this idea of a week on two pages yet one half is the actual week and the rest is like notes page, preferably grid or dot grid for me. It can be lined, but that works really well because I just want to see the whole week. I don't have a ton of appointments and I want a lot of room for making lists. And um, I think even though the Hobonichi Weeks is pretty small, it's working well because it has that format. And I think if we'd not had that conversation, I wouldn't have been paying attention to whether or not I liked that. Well, I'm glad I was helpful for you. I have to also say that Erin Condren paper is super fabulous. It's luxury. It feels very luxurious to me. It's very thick. It's works well with my papermate flare pens that I like to write with. And I love, like I said, making lists right now. So I have one list that is just a, a tracker for my load project. So I write every day what layout I've made or what the project was. And I have a tracker for my exercise. So I like that I can just use it in different ways depending on what my needs are that month. Yeah, that flexibility can be really helpful. Sometimes when something is like maybe over-designed, and I would say this is my chief complaint about the happy planners, is that some of the the pages are so over-designed, like I don't need a checklist of bills to pay because those are all in a Google spreadsheet. Um, you know, I don't need a, a checklist of errands that's equal the size of my checklist of tasks because I, you know, especially nowadays, but even in normal times, I maybe have one or two errands a week. Most of my things are just like things I need to do in my home or, you know, in this, this computer world that I live in. Yes. All right. So the whole, as I said, the whole purpose of this episode is about these digital planning tools. Maybe we could talk a little bit about how, how we mentally divide these. What do you use your paper planner for um, that you never use digital tools for and vice versa? Like, how do you divide those two things? I'm using my paper f- more for my lists in a work setting, I'm using it for like, what are the top three priorities for the day? What, what are any date specific tasks I need to do or what's going to help me focus? And I have never found success using a digital tool for giving me that real granular focus of, I must move the needle on these items. I must complete this task on this day. Mm-hmm. So that's that to me, that's the biggest dist- distinction. I think we talked about in the last episode, how I I'm using my digital calendar more. And it's surprising to me because I've found that I don't even refer to the monthly overview in my Blue Skies Planner for work. I, I'm Because I'm sitting at my computer 90% of the day 
and it's synced to my phone, I have my calendar up. I can, I don't need that overview. I'm not scheduling as many things. I can easily look at a week to schedule. I've gotten used to that. Um, and then in my Erin Condren, I'm more using the month overview as just a record of what we've done because we don't necessarily have plans, but like for example, this past weekend, we went to the zoo because our zoo opened up again. And we then spent some time in our downtown area and ate outside for the first time. So I just, you know, can note that of what we've done. And so I, I like keeping a record like that. And then we actually do have plans in a couple of weeks, possibly. And so I can note that, but I'm not do, doing as much with the calendar as I thought I would. So for your, on your, in your Erin Condren, it's almost more of like, uh, not memory keeping in a detailed sense, but like data, data records for your memory keeping so that if you flip through, then you can then go find the photos for that event if there were any, and you can kind of see what order or what dates were, like say you want a data layout for when the photo was taken or when you did something. Exactly. And I just find too that things just feel so blurry. I mean, I think we've all <laughs> yeah. known, you know, like what, what day is it? And I, so just being able to take notes on, uh, I mean, I've had a couple of evening zoom meetings and so I've written those on there, but those are also on my digital calendar. So I'm not, it, yeah, it's definitely more of a record or a, a, a small memory keeping tool, I would say. That's cool. I think, I think for me, it's just that the, my physical planner is always, you know, right now, this is what's in front of me. I want to be able to highlight what's next, cross it off when it's done, um, jot down any like last minute, like somebody asks me for something. If I don't write it down in this moment, I'm not going to remember in three minutes. Um, so I like having a place for that, but it's never, it's never longer term plans and it's not my calendar. Um, every, you know, every, I would say every Sunday or Monday morning, I go reference my digital calendar and I write down all my appointments for the week on, in my planner. And if another appointment comes up during the week, I don't bother adding it to my digital calendar at that point. Unless maybe there's like, you know, say it was a Zoom meeting, I needed to add a link or something. But if it's just, you know, I need to go run an errand or have a doctor's appointment, that's going to go just directly in my paper planner because that's where I will reference to find out what I need to do when. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I definitely don't. I'm only referencing my digital calendar for the future. So for this week, you know, it's Wednesday. I'm only going to be adding things that are next week and beyond. Okay, because I am not, um, I'm not writing appointments on my week view at all. Like, I, like yesterday, I wrote I had meetings at ten and one. Those were the only two meetings I had. But I'm not really using it because, like I said, my calendar alerts me. I'm more using it to focus on what, what do I need to get done, mm -hmm. and also as a note taking. Like, because I have all that side, the second page is, you know, all lines and tasks. I can write notes during a meeting or if I have a quick phone call or just jot ideas again, like you mentioned, you know, oh, if I don't write this down, I'm not going to remember it. So, so for smaller, either short, quick tasks or things I don't want to forget to discuss, I, I'm using that that way. So that's, I think that's interesting that we have a similar setup yet we're using it very differently. differently. So I'm, I'm gathering here that you use your, is in your blue sky planner, which has mm -hmm. like the days of the week on the left, right? Mm -hmm. So you're using that for specific tasks. Like this needs to be done on this day. 
Yes. So like deadlines and maybe even what you want to do. Like, do you ever forward things to another day or? No, I haven't been forwarding because I make a little box and then I can very easily see, did that box get checked yesterday? Nope. Okay. What's the status? Do I need to circle back to that or do I need to do that today? Um, Because I'm, I'm primarily working from home, I would say like 90% of the time, but I do go into the office and sometimes I find it challenging because I'll go to the office for a very specific reason, but I won't remember that reason sometimes. (laughs) So I've been writing like, okay, when you go to the office, you need to do these three things. And so I'll make notes kind of over on the other, on part of the page for, you know, or when you go to the office, take, remember to take this back or something. So I use it for kind of that planning too. So, th- I mean, this is really fascinating. I think why it's important to have discussions at this granular level, because even though our two planners, they're they're set up very similarly, we're using them differently. I am very averse to having any tasks on a specific day. And part of that's just my personality. Like I, I, I like to have maximum flexibility. Um and I, I kind of know what's next. And if let's say there is a deadline, I will put that on my to-do item. But all of my tasks are on that right-hand side of the page on the notes area, um, just as, you know, bullet point lists. See, I think for me, especially as I had adjusted to working from home and trying to really maintain focus, I find it very helpful to be like, okay, what what three things do I want to focus on today? Cause mm-hmm. I can sit down and see that immediately. And then, um, I don't have to pull up my computer or I can just say, okay, these are what I was going to focus on. And I mean, I do look at my calendar to, you know, on a day where I might have more meetings than others, I'm not going to maybe schedule three things, maybe only schedule two or, you know, I have multitasked during a zoom meeting where I, you know, I had to schedule calendar invites for, my board meetings. And so I did those while I was listening to a webinar, but, you know, finding those kind of multitasking things. So to me, it, otherwise I can get too into my digital tools and not actually feel like I'm making progress. Sure. No, I like that. I think that you have, there's a strength there and that you're really trying to see what are the priorities and that's what you write down and focus on. And then you can reference back to your digital tool to figure out what's next. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, we need, we've, we could obviously talk about the paper part forever, but let's segue into more of the digital aspects. Um, we've talked a lot about digital calendars, but maybe we can just share what we're using specifically both on our computer and on our phones. Okay. So I, I use Google calendar. Uh, we have Google at work. That's through how our email is. And then I have it synced to my phone So I do all of my calendaring and what I, the thing that I have started to do is that's a little different from how I did it before is if my daughters have something that take place during my normal work hours, I I will put it on my work calendar. And actually in all honesty, I've been putting most of my stuff on my work calendar, uh, because then I can I can see the whole day of what I have for the entire day since I've been using leaning on that digital calendar so much more as opposed to just leaning it on my phone. When when I used to be in my office most of the day I did not have my Google Calendar open as much uh, before, but since I've been home, especially in the beginning when I would miss some things because I forgot to write them down or put them in the right place, 
And now I have it set up when I make an appointment, it automatically sets a 10 minute alert for it. Um, I schedule all of the Zoom meetings for my library. So, and I, there's, it's really nice because it integrates into my Google calendar and I just add it right away. So that, you know, particularly helps as well. All right. So I, which is funny because you have an iPhone and I have an Android phone, but I actually use Outlook. Uh, <laughs> and that's just because that's what the university uses. We're all, you know, on exchange. And so there's a couple reasons like connected to that. Like if I receive a meeting notice, it goes automatically to Outlook, whether I've accepted or not. And also my husband's calendar is an Outlook and I want to be able to like see as much of that in as much detail as possible. So I know where he's going to be when, especially nowadays when like we need to make sure that we're not scheduling webinars and podcast recording at the same time. Um, so that's, I just kind of really leaned into Outlook. I don't love it. It's not my favorite thing in the whole world. I'd probably prefer to be on Google Calendar, but just from a practical standpoint, I, I just put everything in the Outlook calendar. Uh, and then on my phone, I actually use, uh, I'm using DigiCal, but just as I was preparing for this episode, I checked out just the native Google Calendar app on my Android phone. And I think they've made some improvements since the last time I used it. And I actually, I like it just fine now. It's very similar to DigiCal. Um, and everything is all, you know, integrated over there very easily. I would say more so in, I find it easier to see everything from my Outlook world on my phone in the Google Calendar app than I do to see all that same stuff in Google Calendar on the website. And I think that's just because of how the accounts are set up on my phone. But um, I don't know, kind of a weird, weird thing there. Um, I don't know if I've actually tried the Outlook app, calendar app on my phone. I think I maybe I did and I didn't like it. Um, but I would say I almost, I actually, it's very rare that I use the calendar on my phone at all. To be honest, I use the calendar on my computer almost exclusively. Well, we're not going anywhere. I use the calendar on my phone more when I was out and about and trying to schedule stuff then. Yeah. You know, but even then, like if I was, I guess the rare exception would be if I was at a doctor's appointment and I was trying to make the next appointment when I was there rather than calling, um, yeah, I would just, I don't know. Maybe I just don't make plans either. <laughs> <laughs> Introvert I mean, I, problems. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's one reason I switched to the digital calendar, uh, was because with my daughters being more involved in things with my husband wanting to know what do we have going on and just needing to have it accessed all the time. It was just much easier to have it all there on my phone and now I'm finding when I even when I add stuff on my phone, like I did a FaceTime lunch with a friend a few weeks ago, I added it on my phone because with messages, it kind of prompts you to create an event. Mm -hmm. But I made sure that it went on my work calendar so that because that's primarily what I'm looking at during the day. Well, let's okay. So let's shift gears just a little bit to I want to talk briefly about spreadsheets because that's not really the focus of our conversation, and they're not traditional planning tools. But there are certain things that I do that I like. I need the spreadsheet grid format to arrange things, and I'm wondering if you do that as well. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think that is like super geeky, but good for you. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Um, so I use 
Google spreadsheets to kind of plan the overview, like a whole year of Simple Scrapper. And like, we're, we're already starting the planning process for next year. And I have like all these columns. So, you know, we've got one column for book club and one for our monthly events. Um, and I like just that big picture grid view so I can kind of just see how things are going to line up or not. And if, it helps me see when things don't line up so I can make those changes. Um, I also use spreadsheets for all of my Girl Scout troop tracking as well. Like, you know, the full roster and, you know, our meeting plans. And I guess I could use that in Trello, but I like using the spreadsheet so that I could sh more easily share that with other people. So I'm using Google Sheets almost exclusively here. Um, and I find that inherently more shareable because people can then really easily edit it. Like say I want to have other people come to a meeting to be, you know, co-hosts or, you know, to get our, our troop ratios there for safety. Like they can easily enter their names to sign up that way. So I'm, I'm like, I am a total spreadsheet geek. <laughs> that is very, I had not thought about using it for Girl Scouts. Uh, I mean, I made a roster checklist but I used a table in Word. So, I mean, I obviously I could have made that into an, I could have used Excel to make that because that's basically Excel's a giant table. But, and then I printed it out and I hard copy checked people off each when we met in person. So that's, I might have to think about that for this upcoming year of Girl Scouts. That's an interesting idea. Well, and, and since I've used, started using first Asana and then Trello, I definitely, I use spreadsheets less than I used to, but still that's almost my default of like, if I have information, I need to make a spreadsheet about this. Like I did when I was buying a car, like I had like, you know, here's all the parameters and I was looking up, you know, um, like leg room in the front row and the second row and the third row. And I wrote that down and clearance off the ground. Cause we have to pull a boat and you know, all the, the, just the, those little tweet, you know, the little parameters that may make a difference in our decision. I had to like make a spreadsheet. <laughs> you that. must be a maximizer instead of a satisficer. Cause I think I'm more of a satisficer. So yeah. maximizer, maximizer is the person that needs to find the best option, not just yes. a good enough option. Right. Oh Yeah. Like, oh, I will, yeah. like, <laughs> I that will not so eat for two hours because I couldn't decide on the perfect thing that I needed to eat. Yeah, that's not me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, here's a granola bar. Good. Let's eat that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we found, yeah, we found <laughs> something that we're very different on. <laughs> Which is surprising because there's not a whole lot, I feel like, sometimes. That's so interesting. All right, well, let's dive into project management. And I think that, like, for those of you listening who are like, project management, isn't that like a work thing? You know, isn't that why would I want to use one of these tools that's, you know, beyond a calendar, beyond a spreadsheet, but even kind of include some of the best features of those things in one tool? Why would I want to use that for my personal life and even for my scrapbooking? And that's because they just, they're so powerful. They're uh, life-changing. <laughs> Trello is life-changing. So I think you, you use something called Nirvana HQ. Is that right? Yes. And I think you were using that before I was using anything at all. So can you tell me your history with that? So Nirvana HQ is a software that's designed around David Allen's getting things done methodology. And so it's, 
it's GTD task management. And so you can set up projects and you can highlight things, but it's very simple. It's a list tool. Uh, it, it's, it's very simple. And I had heard about it from some other library directors who were using it successfully because one of the reasons I had to switch to an electronic project management tool versus using my paper planner was when I got to the position that I'm, I'm currently in as a director where I'm, my work is more managing the work of others than actually completing my own tasks. So there's a lot of different things to juggle and things to remember and things I'm waiting for. And so this tool allowed me to do that without having to every week rewrite, re- rewrite things. Um, but I had kind of a, well, once we went into shelter in place, <clears throat> I basically abandoned it and wasn't keeping it up, wasn't doing my weekly reviews. And I didn't, I liked it, but I decided that I would, I'd been using Trello through the bucket list and wanted to try something different. And so I decided that I would experiment with setting up my work projects in Trello. And it has been amazing. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. It's, it has really helped me. I think because of the left to right flow of the way the lists can work. And I just, it has really helped me finally get a handle as things slowly return to quote unquote normal. Um, it, I, I, I've really liked it. And I like that it's more visual. So I'm curious, have you had any challenges getting your team on board or are you not using it with others? I'm not using it with others, although as we make plans to reopen our building to the public, I talked to them this morning about, I've started this Trello board and you could, so um, my team isn't super techie geeky like that, but uh, it's, we might be using it here in the coming month as we plan our building reopen. But I find it just even helpful for me to, I don't really, I don't need the team to be on it. I need to be on it. Sure. That makes sense. Well, but in the way you described it, the, the, what, what was the transition that you needed a tool? I would say that is very much why I started using Asana as well. Cause I was thinking back, I remember so vividly, this was like winter of 2011 going into 2012. I had like, you know, three, four month old and I was redesigning the entire simple scrapper membership. And by redesigning, it was really building what, you know, the baby steps of what we have now at that time, we kind of, we had a membership program, but it wasn't like this full thing. It wasn't a community. And I remember I had, you know, the big long yellow legal pad with this list and lists and lists of all the things I needed to do for that because it was all me. There was no, there was no delegation at that time. Um, We didn't start spark, I think until 2014. And so it was, there, there was no one else but me, so I just needed the piece of paper. But by going to a digital tool, I was better able to collaborate with my team and even without the team, just plan for the future because the list in front of you is really what you need to do now. But what about the things you need to do next month or next year or those ideas that you just want to save for that maybe someday idea? The All of these tools, whether it's Asana, Trello or anything else, they give me a home for those types of things. Yes, I think those future ideas ex- are very much so things that I found I needed a home for that wasn't a paper home 
because I'll have these ideas and it might not be the right time for this idea to come to fruition, but I don't want to lose that idea. Or, you know, I really switched to the digital planning tool in 2016, actually, with Nirvana when um, our library adopted its long range plan. And I had all these different tasks that needed to happen in order to, to really execute the long range plan. And so I didn't want to lose all those and I wanted a better way to track a lot of those. So that's that. And then keeping track of what my team had been working on or what I was waiting for from certain people was really what made me push to a digital planning, planning tool. And, and that Trello making the leap from Trello to Trello has really helped me. I've, I've done a couple of iterations of my boards and tried a few different things to, to find out what's going to work best. I like to, I have a projects list and I like to kind of, I can put a picture. Is it a header? Is that what they call it? I'm not like a I think super it's called a cover now. Yes. It's called a cover. That's right. I can put a cover, which is basically a picture on that task. So like when I'm looking at my board for the week, I'm like, Oh, that's the one. That's my focus for this week. And then when I when that week's over, or when I've completed those tasks, I can remove that cover. But it, I like that visual cue of, okay, let's. This is what you're. This is what you identified as your priority for the week. I think the the visual nature of it, and I don't know if just age and wisdom has anything to do with it. But the as time goes on, the more visual I want things. Uh, the more I like to just have, as you said, have those cues to be able to organize information and have it like very quickly make sense. I, I still love my lists, but it's harder to sort through and figure out, okay, where's, where's the beginning of this or the end of this. And, and um, yeah, I just, the, the more visual, the easier for me. Well, and I like that I can, it's very quick to reprioritize like yes. my next actions list. I can move stuff up and down and, you know, prioritize on the fly. And so I really, and I like that I can label things with different colors again, visually. So things stick out. So I, well, it's maybe for a second, we need to kind of share, like if someone's not familiar with these tools, I would describe them as, um, think of, you know, like a school notebook. If you have that really big fat notebook and then inside is multiple folders and then inside those folders is multiple tabs, um, and then maybe you have some pockets, <laughs> you know, there's layers of information. And so these, these, all these tools, whether you're talking about Asana, Trello, um, Evernote to a, to a certain degree also. Um, and there's one called Notion that I'm not fam- I don't have it used personally, but I know has a lot of flexibility, like almost combining the best of Trello and Asana with the best of like spreadsheets and calendars and all those worlds, even like more discreetly. But it's just these the way to group information by, you know, major projects and, you know, activities and checklists, you know, and in a hierarchical manner. Yes. And, you know, the other thing that sold me on Trello, too, is that I can add dates as appropriate. Um, and I like that, too, that there is if I not everything needs a deadline, but there are things where it's like, I need to circle back on a certain day. So I like that I can add a date deadline, but I don't, it's not a required field. Like in Nirvana, they wanted you to add a date. And sometimes I was like, I don't, 
I don't yeah. have to add a date. Not everything needs a date. I would definitely say I use... I'm using Trello today for three core purposes. One is all those like future nebulous maybe ideas that I don't want to lose. There's breaking out a big project into tasks. Some of those may have dates and some of those may not. And then more kind of individual tasks that are in the future that maybe they don't have a project. Maybe they have like a category like home things like change the filter on the furnace like it has a date but it's a really it's a specific task it's not part of a bigger project other than you know oh, this is one of the many home things i need to do um so i would say those are kind of the three main ways that i'm using trello yeah and i the other thing for me for trello is i like the versatility of the cards so i can add a checklist to a card where if i need to i can so like a project, I have a project I'm working on that does require multiple steps. So I just add a checklist and then I can also make notes. It's a, I find it a lot easier to make notes in it. Um, it's more user-friendly than my Nirvana HQ was. I could add notes in Nirvana HQ, but it wasn't as user-friendly. I can attach other cards to things to reference. So I, I feel the integration is a lot better for me and, and how I'm working now and what I'm trying to track. And well, I would say that that's that's a similar reason why I prefer Trello over Asana, which I used for a number of years prior. I would have the problem of things getting lost in Asana because basically there's you can have lots of nested layers to the point where it's you have to dig down three times to find the note that you put. But that's so easy to lose. Whereas Trello really limits you in the number like if you're in a card, you're in a card. You're not going there's nothing under the card, you know, you can't dig into another layer. Um, and I really appreciate that because it's much harder to lose things in Trello. Yes. I would, in the short time I've been using Trello, I would agree that I feel like I, things are much more focused and I'm not losing things or forgetting about things. And I, there are still, I still need to do a complete sweep of my old, system, my Nirvana and pull everything. I didn't want to over, I didn't want to spend a ton of time setting up my Trello boards if I, if I decided the system wasn't going to work for me. So I started kind of with some high level stuff and what's pressing, you know, right now and in the coming quarter. But now that I've decided that I think I'm going to stick with this long term, I, I need to go in now to my Nirvana and clear that all out and stop my subscription. Um, and and that's, I mean, the other benefit is I'm not paying for Trello. I know if you pay, there's some more functionality and I'll, I may, I may need that in the future, but right now this is working really well for me. Yeah. I am not currently paying for Trello, but they did just introduce a new feature that makes me want to pay. And so this is something that's on their business plan and you upgrade so Trello uses these things called teams, which a team doesn't have to be multiple people. It's just kind of the high level uh, context or area. So I have like a team for Simple Scrapper. I have one for my home stuff. I have one for my job at the university. And but to get this next level feature, you have to upgrade just one team. And so if I wanted to upgrade multiple teams, that's even more money. And what it lets you do, and this blows my mind because it's so mm -hmm. amazing, is it lets you put a date 
on each checklist item and assign each checklist item to a person versus just assigning a card to a date and a person. I could see where that would be useful for you. Well, and, you know, for Simple Scrapper, we have this giant board that has two columns for every single month and every every task we do in a month has a card. And I would love to be able to make like two cards for a month and have those all as checklist items. But the problem is with somebody different is, is attached to each of those tasks. So we need to make sure that, you know, Amy knows what to do and Nisha knows, knows what to do and Kim knows what to do. And... I, we're we're strongly thinking about moving to this just to streamline like the visual nature of our board instead of having this massive board you go in it's so overwhelming. The other thing I will say that I like about Trello is the vision. We we've talked about the visual, but I also like the visual limit. So I mean, yes, I can scroll down in my projects list, but if if that scroll is getting too long, it it's a cue to me that, okay, do, am I really doing this many projects? Do I need to have this many projects on the project list? Could I move some of these to the, you know, future projects, you know? So I like that there's also like a visual limit to help you prioritize and stay focused. They're also really helpful with like searching and filtering. Like I can, you know, when I'm looking at that big board that has multiple people on it, or even if it was multiple projects for one person, you can search or filter to narrow that down. Um, So that's sometimes helpful if your board gets really big and you only want to see like certain things. Like I only see tasks assigned to me. I can very easily like turn off everyone else and just see what I need to do. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. I like that. Um, Okay. Anything else we need to cover with these tools? I mean, this is really like I'm, I'm in Trello Every single day, I mean, I'm teaching the bucket list project class in Trello. And then, you know, we have a Trello class inside the membership as well. And I'm, I'm already brainstorming what's what's next for this. How can we continue this? Because it seems like there's a lot of interest in continuing to learn how to use Trello for scrapbooking. And when you start using it for scrapbooking, you're going to want to start using it for other things as well. So how can we just like make the most of this awesome tool? I think that's exciting. I'm excited to hear what you come up with. Well, yeah, and it's been fun to experience like some of the like the fun, like exciting parts. I said exciting twice there, but like teaching in Trello has been interesting because in some ways <laughs> it's so amazing what we can do just to be able to to give people that here, we're in here, do and then here, do this, like make this list, copy this, do this. But then that also poses challenges too, because we have different operating systems and different apps. And, you know, there's there's hurdles. And I even told I told every student from the very beginning, this is our first time teaching a class inside of Trello. There's gonna be hiccups. We're gonna have to remind you of things. And and there certainly has been that, but it's been just so fascinating to to do things a little bit differently. Yes. I think it, it has been interesting to watch the hiccups, but I think you've handled them well and people are learning and it's exciting to learn a new skill. Well, that's the thing we learn from our mistakes too. Right. So I think it's been perhaps even more instructional to have that because now we know all the ways that people can leave cards in places they didn't <laughs> attend to. <laughs> yes. So maybe let's start wrapping up here by sharing any additional digital 
things that you use, whether it's on your computer or on your phone, to aid your productivity? Because I mean, all the, there's other things that we use that are really supportive of getting things done as well. So I use my notes phone, my notes app on my phone a lot. Uh, I think we talked about this in our episode, or maybe you and I have just talked about this. But uh, if I'm out, so like for example, last night we were out to dinner celebrating my husband's birthday, and he's like, "Oh, we really needed to get this, do a card for my mom because my mother-in-law's birthday is this weekend." And I was like, "Okay." So I was like, "Hey Siri, remind me to." Uh, get a card at 7 p.m. And so when we came home from dinner, that reminder popped up on my phone. So then we got the card out and did it. So for those shorter tasks, when you're out and about, I like using my 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 notes app. Or actually, it's not notes; it's reminders. I like using my reminders app to to remind me to do something. And it's pretty smart. You, I haven't. I usually set a reminder for a specific time. But you can do them location-based. But right now, since we're really not going anywhere, that doesn't help me as much. But I like to use my reminders. Um, I also have been using Apple Health a lot um, to keep track of my exercise during the shelter-in-place time. And then the other thing I use is my, um, although I guess we talked about budgeting at the beginning. Um, I use YNAB, which is my, and that's how I manage our finances is the, you need a budget app. And that's I like cool. that. I can, I can do it all on my phone. In fact, you know, when you talk about getting geeky about planning or even just stuff, I mean, I use my phone for so much. I, you know, I hardly, I, I, I hardly sit down at the computer sometimes for things, you know, we have an app for summer reading. We have an app for this. And I, turning it back to scrapbooking, I don't, I now use the Snapfish app to order my photos. I do some quick photo editing on my phone if I need to and upload and and do it all from my phone. I don't even sit down at my computer when I'm ordering pictures anymore. So I'm curious, how much are you using Trello on your phone? I am not using it a ton. I think primarily because I'm using it for work and when I'm working, I'm sitting at the computer. Sure. I mean, I have it on my phone. I know that there was some glitchy stuff with a bucket list project in terms of the the Apple app. And so I I did figure out how to use it a little more, but I was afraid of messing stuff up with bucket lists. So I haven't, I haven't used it, but, but I could see as things start to open up, if I'm at a meeting away from my desk, I can very quickly add something to my Trello inbox list that then I can process as part of my weekly review. So I can see in the future where I might use the app more, but since I'm primarily sitting in one place, nine to five, I I don't need it as much. So you mentioned your reminders and the notes app. I use Google Keep for that purpose, like just random lists. Um, I'll put my grocery list in there because I can use check like check boxes, um, just anything that I want. If I just need to like take a note or I'm writing a social media post that's for later, I don't have a place to store it. I'll put it there. Like just any random little bits of information that are not meant to be kept long term, I will put in Google Keep. Um, I've also experimented with various like meal planning apps over the years and found that I just prefer to write my meal plans by hand, um, often because they're constantly changing. I feel like whatever I write down for the whole week never actually happens the same way I wrote it down. 
Um, but I've used Paprika, which I like. It's very cross-platform on everything mm-hmm. nowadays. Um, I also tried out the Plan to Eat app uh, just recently, and I re- it had a very attractive interface. I believe it's $39 a year to pay for it. I've decided it's not going to work for me in part because we're always moving things around. But if you're looking for a meal planning app, that seems like it's a good one, and it's just like a really pretty um, very functional app. Um, I've used fabulous for a while. I haven't, I don't think I used it all this year, but I used it up until last year. And it's a really interesting app that's really based in the science of, of habit formation. I think it's, Oh God, I want to say it was designed by MIT, but I'm not sure, you know, uh, definitely like really smart researchers and scientists are trying, they're basically studying us as well as we use this app. Um, to figure out what works to get people to form habits. So it's a really great for reminding you to do certain things. Like say you want to make your bed every day or making sure you're taking your medicine, like setting up routines for, you know, morning, midday, evening, whatever works for you. It's a really uh, effective app. When I used it, like I was almost like obsessed with it. Like I had to do these things and it really made me feel good to do them. I'm going to have to check that out because that is very appealing to me. I think you really like it. I feel like my habits are in a fairly decent place right now because I use the tending list Mm -hmm. from my goal planner. Um, But I, I think that since I do look at my phone a lot, I think that might be helpful for me. Yeah, we just have, we have to to pause for a minute and talk about that because, um, you know, 2020 has been so crazy. And we, we pulled out this card yesterday of this, like, 2020, <laughs> let's do this. And and I just, like, I did a uh, insert the carrot between after let's and say not. Let's not do this because 2020 has not been the year that we, we thought it was going to be. <laughs> It's not, but I think I've really tried to focus on what opportunities are available during this time. And so, you know, I reframe. (laughs) Yeah, I I've done a lot of reframing. I mean, the biggest thing for me is I have really developed the habit of daily exercise during this time. I had been sporadically, I had been going to the gym, I'd been do, but now that I was forced to be at home. I really committed to physical activity. I started a couch to 5K program. I am doing yoga regularly. uh, And that has really helped me during this time and has been kind of the biggest benefit of not having to be, I mean, yes, I have to start work in the morning, but, and I never really had a long commute, but my kids didn't have to go to school and I had the space and I decided to take advantage of that space. So I mean, yes, some of my goals look a little different, but I've tried to keep moving forward. Um, it's really interesting. I know you've talked a little bit, I think, on social media about how your word of the year was home and, you know, <laughs> what a perfect word for 2020. You know, my one little word is thrive. And so wow, I felt, I felt very challenged in late March about, you know, well, okay, how am I going to thrive and what is that going to look like? now that things are completely upside down. Um, And really, I have tried to reframe and tried to focus on the opportunities. I mean, I'm leading an organization too. And so I've had to really be on my game about setting an example and setting a vision for 
how we're going to thrive and how we're going to provide opportunities for service. You know, uh, I have said over and over our building, you know, the library building may be closed, but the library is still here for you. We have online materials and all that kind of stuff. So we've really tried to reframe a lot. I like reframe better than pivot. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, that's a, that's an awesome perspective. And I'm glad you've like risen to the occasion with your your word. Um, yeah, home definitely is more true than I'd planned it to be. And I would say the things that I set out at the beginning of the year, for the most part, I'm still doing them. And in, and in some ways, it's even easier because I, I am I am home to do them like. There's things that are tidy. Like I was thinking about how, you know, is this too lame to post on social media? But I cleaned out this drawer in my bathroom recently. And it's this drawer that always has like the scrunchies and the hair clips and the things that you like you use all the time. And they're always just like in the bottom of the drawer amidst all the stuff. Well, I finally got this little like zipper pouch and I put them in there. And every night when I when I take one off or when I get one out, I use the zipper pouch. And it almost feels like, oh, my gosh, I'm finally adulting. But, like, just having that tiny bit of extra space in my life from being home more allowed me to do that. But then every time I open this drawer now, it's clean and there's not, like, 8 million scrunchies. And I don't have to worry about getting stabbed by the cuticle scissors or whatever when I'm trying to find the scrunchie. And it's just sometimes the little things. Hey, it's all about the little things, you know, <laughs> it's all about the little things. Well, there's one more uh, kind of app type that I wanted to mention in terms of productivity. And this is for those who are in their menstruating years that some sort of period tracking app has been helpful for me to be able to see trends in my mood and my energy. Um, for a long time, I used Clue and I really, really liked it. I switched to my flow um, I don't know, sometime last year because I liked how it better connected some of the things that I was eating to my mood and my energy. But I do feel like Clue is more accurate in prediction. But regardless of what you use, I know even like the, the health trackers, almost all of them do it. I know Fitbit does. I bet um, Google Health does as well or Apple Health. Um, Apple, Apple Health has one. I've thought about setting it up. I just haven't done it. It's just it's just really like it's nice to understand if like if you're not feeling productive, if you can identify trends there, you can better maximize the times when you are feeling productive and then giving yourself some gentleness and and rest time when you're not. And that's okay. It's okay to not have this, you know, all the hustle all month long. That's not how our bodies work. Um, as females. So I think it can be helpful to lean more into that if that's something that interests you and you're, you want to kind of go literally go with the flow a little more in all aspects <laughs> of your life. <laughs> I don't know how to follow that. <laughs> it's okay. Um, one more thing that I wanted to share. So let's see, we have one more episode coming up this month and this is going to be a special episode where I'm going to talk all about travel scrapbooking and share kind of my top 10 tips for travel scrapbooking and announce a brand new free guide that I'm putting together on. So like, excited about this. I know it's going to be so good. It's it's a long time coming taking all the kind of the, the simple scrapper and scrapbook your way philosophy and applying that to documenting your travels because July is travel month. And I know a lot, a lot of us are doing much of any any travel, but we can live vicariously through our past travels that we've not yet scrapbooked. So I want to provide some new resources to help you do that. 
And then with that, the um, July, I'm actually our featured artist for July. And so Kim will be interviewing me for our My Way series at the beginning of July. So that's what oh, we have. that'll be fun. Yeah. I, I Hopefully we can maybe uncover some different things, though I feel like I did bear my hopeful spreadsheet soul in this one. But... <laughs> I think it'll be a good episode to really dive into some of my journey in scrapbooking, maybe kind of what's hiding in some of my secret drawers uh, as I'm, especially I'm doing a lot of decluttering right now. I'm finding things and I think it'll be good. So, but I'm, this whole travel theme has really got me jazzed up. I'm documenting some of my own travels right now uh, in different ways. And I, I just can't wait to share that with you guys. Well, I am looking forward to that because I am working on some travel layouts as well, because I like to go places. And I'm sad that my travel plans for 2020 are not yeah. going to come to fruition. Yeah, but we have the future. So yes. Well, Alyssa, as always, this is super fun. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Thanks for having me, Jennifer. And everyone out there, thank you for listening. And remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way. Hey, friends, before you go, I have a number of follow-ups that I wanted to include in the episode. First off, this was actually Alyssa's fourth time as a guest. We forgot that she came on for a planning follow-up at the beginning of the year. I've included links to all the episodes she's been on in the show notes. Also, Stacy Julian has reopened registration for the 20 and 20 class that Alyssa mentioned. The price is now 50% off and all pro- proceeds are being donated to racial justice causes. Stacy provides very specific plans on her website, which is linked in the show notes. In the episode, we also talked about the Coco Daisy Daisy Weeks sticker subscription that I have. The link for this, of course, is in the show notes. And if you decide to subscribe, please let them know that Jennifer Wilson sent you. The personalized Blue Sky Planner Alyssa mentioned in a number of episodes, including this one, seems to be no longer available. We're not sure if this is related to COVID production issues or is a true discontinuation. We'll let you know if we find out any news. In this episode, we also discussed Aaron Condren planners. The episode was recorded before it came to light that the company's founder and namesake had made some choices in her personal life that reflected poorly on her character and the brand. Aaron has since apologized and also taken a leave of absence from the company, but I've chosen not to link to those products out of respect for those who were offended, disappointed, or hurt by her actions. On a happier note, I'm excited to share that Everyday Explorers Co. has a limited number of planner pads from our National Scrapbook Day collaboration, and these are on sale as a separate purchase now, and the pads are $10 each. Finally, I'm excited to share a special mid-year price on my Simple Scrapper membership. Now, through June 30th, you can get six months of membership for $75. This will help you reboot your hobby for the second half of 2020. And of course, you can find that link in the show notes as well. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week with a special episode on planning your travel scrapbooks. <laughs>